a bunch of witty bitches. Hey, Papa. Hey, I have a quip. You have a quip. We'll put that for a quip. It's just cadals. Welcome back to Witty Banter, episode number 105. Mm-hmm. Five, a clean number. You yeah. know what I mean? It's a nice, e- well, it's not even, but you know. I think it's like considered the super centenarians at this point. Yeah, things are better in fives for the most What'd part. You just Almost say? as good. It's like when people live <laughs> to be 105 years old, I think they're called super centenarians. Oh, centenarians? I still would have. I was so a centenarian or is it a centenarian? Uh, I don't, maybe I don't know. <laughs> it might be a centurion, but well, I thought there was another N in there. I don't know. Maybe. Well, on the centurion or centenarian episode, I am joined with, as per usual, Chase Skinny Jean Williams. What's up? Over out in California. <laughs> then that I got seems caught pot calling the kettle black there. <laughs> then I got yeah, that's true. Well, I'm welcoming into my society. <laughs> um, but then I got. Regular pants, Hunter Dorset. You mean over here my thick leg. legs, thick Dorset. legs, thick ham legs, Dorset over here. Tree trunk, <laughs> Dorset. <laughs> I'll take it. And then you got just also pants, Max. You know the host here. <laughs> just reg, you know, good old girl pants, pants Max. Max. Girl pants, Max. Girl jeans, Max. <laughs> as I went by through most of my high school career. Not I really. actually remember a time. Uh, I think outside of like a Popeyes, where some clearly some high we were. We were probably still in like eighth grade and there were some kids who were clearly in high school and we were like walking back to, oh, okay, we must have been in high school. We were walking back to the car and someone yelled like, cool jeans, fag, or something at you. <laughs> yeah. Or like, cool, like, or God, like he called you like an emo kid or something. And I remember yeah. in that moment not saying anything and it's still, I wish today I would have been like, hey, fuck you, dude. And like hey, stood dude. up for my butt, you know? This is the future, man. Maybe it's payback for him being like, yeah, anarchy. Fuck you! Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. The anarchy kid. Oh, dude, yeah. I still remember that to this day. Oh man, poor anarchy kid. Hey, we all have those, man. Yeah. I remember, like, like, like when I was I was like five years old. I wanted to play football so bad, and my dad was like throwing the ball with with uh, my older brothers. And then, like, my mom had a Nerf ball and was like trying to throw with me, and she just she didn't good at it. She's never yeah. done it before. But I was like so disappointed. In her. Oh no! And I always remember that. I'm like, wow, that was so awful of me for being yeah. such a dick. Yeah. yeah, looking back at being a shitty kid, sometimes you just like, God, I gotta call my mom tomorrow. I'll call Ultimately, my parents. Ultimately, we were tomorrow. good kids, but you ha- you always have those moments. There's you know? a mean streak. Yeah. I mean, dude, there was there's one particular moment with our friend Tom Reichardt that like haunts me to this day that I've never brought it up because I guarantee he will know the day. And it was his, <laughs> what? it was his birthday, and I was like spending the night there, and as most of his family was in. It was it was this weird thing where I wasn't there for a birthday party. I was there, and his family was there. And okay. his brother got him a like Final Fantasy Eleven. Oh, was, I was there for that. Yeah, sorry, dude. Yeah, yeah, which was a game where like you have to pay additionally to play it outside of just your Xbox Live account. And for some reason, in my mind, like I wanted to get that across to him as he was opening it when I could have just said it at any other time. And for some reason, what came out of my mouth was, "Dude, that game sucks." Uh, yeah, dude. <laughs> right as he opened up a birthday present from his brother, this fucking ran and like, ugh, yeah, that's one that's that yeah. one sits deep. Uh, in fact, I hope he's listening moments. in some crazy way yeah, tom weird. call me i will apologize profusely I'm so sorry and get your brother on the phone i need to apologize to him too <laughs> oh man but something that i'm not embarrassed about is the beer that we're drinking today 
Yeah. Yeah, man. This you beer is really looking like pretty good. I was very anxious about this beer because this has the coolest label out of all the beers that we've had. Why? Well, Just maybe not all the, the colors? beers. Yeah, it's a great color scheme. It's cotton candy. That's it. Yeah, but it's also got yeah, like but a 50s vibe to it. It's a cool label, dude. I feel like when we They're saw just this, not typically used colors. They're, I was going to say combination. I, this is a good beer because we were in the beer place, in the beer store, <laughs> in the beer and place. it caught our eye. All right, well, but what are we drinking here? This is the Brooklyn brand Bell Bell Air Sour. Bell Air Sour. <laughs> I hope that clang gets into the mic. On yeah, that, that was out of hey, down the bottle out of frustration. If what comes out of the rumpus makes it, I'm sure that clang will. <laughs> That's true. He can drop Centenarian, but he can't read Bell Air Sour <laughs> off of the label. Talking out of my ass. <laughs> All right, so uh, on the website, it says, led by, this is kind of wordy, led by our James Beard award-winning brewmaster, our brewer's put their collective minds together to conjure up one tasty magic trick. A thrilling jolt of tartness up front opens onto a riot of tropical fruit, courtesy of our lacto, our ale yeast, and a generous helping of Amarillo dry hopping. Soft barley and wheat malt keep things dry and refreshing, and the whole thing comes together to close with a fine dry finish. <laughs> Brooklyn Bell Air Sour is racy and maybe even racy. a little bit dangerous. But also effortlessly cool, breezy, and undeniably compelling. All right, guys, pick one. You're either going to go for the deep beer description or you're going to give it like a sleek, no-nonsense, cool description. You can't have Why both. can't you have both? You can't have both <laughs> I, on that? It was just a little wordy, you know? 5.8% alcohol by volume. No IBUs provided. It is a sour ale style, and it's limited availability. So we got it while it was hot, guys. You're damn right. Well, they sent it to us personally because they knew Banter needed to uh, take a look. Yeah, we're glad to try your, your beer, but, you know, next time, give us a little bit more, Brooklyn. <laughs> oh, so, anybody uh, pulled yeah. up? Right out of the gates. It's fucking really tart, which is good. It's what you want in a sour beer. You want a tartness. And it's bright as hell. Like, when it talks about tropical fruit, that's definitely where it's sitting at. It's almost like 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 lemon. It's so citrusy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it already feels light to me, which is kind of impressive considering it's a 5.8% uh, beer. So those are kind of my first impressions. Oh, and it's like, it's super light, right? Like it's, it's literally yellow and it's clear. It's clear it's as hell. It's very apple juicy. Yeah, looking, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got a lot more head on yours than mine. I like purposely saw that you didn't have one. No, see. And then I was like, well, I'm going to try and get ahead out of this one. Gotcha. And so I got a nice oh, okay. one. It's really, <laughs> really foamy, like a sea foam. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that I saw the Max, I guess maybe did the the expert pour and got like a zero head on it. So I mean, yeah, it just depends was, on how yeah, you go for it. Trying to compensate my pour like I do at work. So I it is that really nice to... looking. It's you know you got it's filtered. You can see right through that. Um, on the nose, it I just get a lot tropical. of citrus. Really, yeah, I was I gonna say like... it smells like fucking lemons. And, yeah, yeah, which is not a bad thing. I like lemons. I'm mm -hmm. a lemony guy. <laughs> You're a lemony guy. Is that why person. yellow is your color? Yellow is my color. I know. And lemons over limes. Everybody knows that. Oh, dude, that's tough for me. Because yeah, I actually don't like actually don't quote me. Yeah, don't actually. Uh, yeah, Max. Actually um, quote I'm me gonna, on that next one. time we go to a taco place, I'll give you a choice. Yeah, no, lemons no, no, no. no I'm totally joking. <laughs> that's a joke, guys. Classic. We're here for humor on Witty Band. I would show. say generally lemons and drink, lime on foods, but that's lime and Pepsi. When I worked at Grimaldi's and we had. The ability to have our own drinks and yeah. limes. I did the lime Pepsi combo, and I never went back, dude. Yeah, yeah. really. You put, and you put a lime in basically any import beer. 
Yeah, yeah right? that's true. Man. So I don't know, Max. Your yeah. argument's falling apart real quick. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I'm already convinced. All right, I'm back on the lime train. It is. It Fuck is lemons. Bitingly, uh, bitingly sour, um, but it's crisp. Um, it has like a kind of a, I don't know, like a barleyish finish to it. Like it's not like the sour is the only thing that sticks out the whole time. Uh, I like it. You know, I I I think. We've had stuff like from the Wild Sour series uh, and from other breweries that were just ridiculously tart. This this is actually a little bit more pleasant for me, I think. Yo, yeah. do you remember the Lips of Faith series beers that we did from New Belgium? Uh, there was maybe? a Lips of Faith beer that we had, I think probably back in my apartment uh, in Austin, that mm-hmm. I still think about to this day. <laughs> really? Yeah, was it, that was good? Like, it was a big bomber, right? Yeah, it was. Yep. Yeah. yeah, dude, that one was like... It was like one of the first sours that you and I, I think, had ever had, and it was like super bomb. It was awesome. Yeah, blew Is that what kind of kicked off the sour train for you guys? Because I know At Chase. At least for him. I mean, I'm Chase, still not really on. The you're not on the sour train. You're still watching it go by and saying like, "That's a cool. That's a cool <laughs> Maybe train." Maybe I'll catch the next <laughs> one. Nice train. Yeah, I respect the next them, one stop. but I'm not yeah. gonna get on. <laughs> Sweet train. I'm not gonna get on that train. That's crazy. The people there. Wow. Oh man, but yeah, I, I like it too, man. I I expected to kind of open up a little bit as we go on here a little bit. Too. But, you know, we also got to open up about some other stuff, you know, open up about our lives. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know, let's not do that. Let's open up about what's going on in the world's lives, what's going on in the news. All right. Okay. This, this is Witty Banter. Beep the beep boop. Beep the beep beep the beep beep beep. <laughs> you got a little like tail end. Rump in that one. <laughs> I was, yeah, I hope that you uh, huh? yeah, edit that well. Oh, man. <laughs> Do your worst. <laughs> so, you know, normally I'm the guy who likes to bring the fun news. You know, everybody knows me for that. <laughs> everybody knows I'm everybody the fun says guy. I'm the fun guy <laughs> and I'm here with the two stiffs on the show. You're full of shit. But let me tell you guys something that's going on right now that is not very fun. <laughs> 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 Terrible segue. All right, so this is my news story here. It's called, It's Not Just Bitcoin Anymore. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but remember how like three years ago, everybody was talking about Bitcoin and you should invest. And then a year later, everybody was like, well, that was fucking stupid. Ends up it wasn't that fucking stupid. Uh, All the investments have gone up quite a bit since then. It's like doubled in two months, right? Yeah. It's gone up a ridiculous amount in about three or four weeks. Uh, In fact, yeah, the thing that you're quoting is uh, there's actually a new like currency that's coming out called... I'm not really terribly, Ether? yeah, Ethereum or something. Well, Ethereum, Ethereum. is a platform. Ethereum. It's one of the things I'm, I was going to bring, but it's the one, one of those things that I don't understand it. Like, yeah. I've watched the most watered-down, dumbed-down videos of it, and I'm like, that didn't help at all. This right here is yeah. the Bitcoin. This right here yeah. is the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Ether is kind of like the second most popular uh, cryptocurrency currently. Yeah, and that one is like fucking literally blown up like you said it's doubled within the last two months which is a crazy investment to think that you invested in something in january and you're you know now have double the amount that you put into it by now is is crazy and not only that but bitcoin itself is shot up quite a bit as well it's now a 400 billion dollar like there's like 400 billion dollars like capitalization capitalization going around that's in the grand scheme of the world you know isn't 
right. a lot, it's, but that's a but lot considering that $400 million is being no, used in your wait, money. million or B- billion? Billion. Billion. billion? Yeah, dude, billion is a lot. That is a oh, yeah. metric fuck ton. I think that yeah, is, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that okay, is so. a number of global scale, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is on a global scale because that's the whole goal of Bitcoin is essentially yeah. to replace, like, I don't know what the word for, not continental, but per Fiat? country. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the oh, car company? Yeah. But per country, you know, fucking like the GDP. Money. Yeah, exactly. To replace that sort of GDP thing, which is kind of crazy. So I was just kind of wanted to bring it up. Uh, the story doesn't really go on to anything else other than, like you said, like the second highest one up is now around, I think it's around, what was it saying in here? Like 30 billion or something like that, which is still pretty high as well. Oh, 15 mm-hmm. billion for Ethereum. Mm-hmm. So, which is also pretty high as well. And it says that that actually went up from $20 in March to $170. So even more than Jesus just double yeah, for Ethereum, which I thought was pretty crazy. And, I just wanted to kind of get your guys' opinion on do you think that in the future we will be we will have a more universal currency? Well, like, do you think Bitcoin is always going to go up? When I when I I've seen a couple of these articles pop up as well and like just the I don't have much of an understanding for them, but the general gist I get is that the whole excitement about them is that they exist away from like banks they're not regulated like they're they cannot be like controlled by the government yet and so you don't have to go through any archaic systems like that because i don't think it's any secret that the banking system is sort of like old and buckling and just crusty at this point yeah. um mm-hmm. which i get excited hearing that as well because yeah i do i i personally just in all things future want to start seeing the next steps in a variety of subjects that move us away from how we did things before rather than like we'll just keep updating everything to try to fit it all in like i i'm if a currency came through to sweep away sort of the old way that we did banking which has been around for a while and i think has gotten us into some pretty troublesome places then that's cool i also read these articles and i feel like they're kind of sensational they feel yeah. very much like, whoa, look at this. Like, you could be making so much fucking money right now. And when I read it, I think to myself, like, well, if it's already doubled that much, I've probably already missed the boat. Like, I'm like it's not time for me to get in now. But two, it just sounds volatile. And I, I, I don't know anything near enough to, to really pitch in about what I would or would not do in the situation of possibly buying some of that stuff. But to me, mm. it just seems like it's too fast to want to throw in now and it also feels like i missed the boat you know yeah i definitely don't have any money to throw in now that's for sure yeah but that being said well, the thing is i mean you don't have to buy like a full bitcoin you don't have to buy a coin you, you can buy, buy a, like a, a one a one millionth of a coin you know yeah. what I mean? that would not be very much but i have still. i have a bit of like the thing is is i don't understand blockchain technology as well as i would like but i have a good i have been following uh, cryptocurrency a little bit I, after one of the shows i told y'all like dude guys it's blowing up and that was when it was at like low 1700s and if i would have bought a bitcoin at that point i would have already made like five or six hundred bucks from that yeah. in like a few weeks um the thing is, is yeah it is incredibly volatile right um the reason why it's why it's volatile is because it's not an accepted global currency yet but it's getting on its way. For instance, the Japanese uh, stock market, I think, officially recognizes it. And like, like thousands and thousands of Japanese companies are accepting payment with Bitcoin nowadays. 
Uh, or that's, now. A, that's a big domino. <clears throat> it's a huge one. It's a fucking big one. They, one of the big things that <clears throat> is keeping it from complete legitimacy is uh, an ETF is, uh, is like a, it's a, an index of like certain types of things. So if you have, you know, like quantum computers, you can buy a, <clears throat> an ETF of quantum computers or, or, you know, it's basically just taking like a whole genre of it's things. It's like a mutual take- fund for like a genre of thing. Right. You're like, I think this specific thing is going to grow a lot. So I'm going to buy something that indexes the growth of that. And that way, you're really only limiting your investments to things that pertain to that. It's like a big basket of things that are involved with that. And recently, Bitcoin made a, um, a proposal for the New York Stock Exchange to be able to uh, follow that, to follow a Bitcoin ETF. And they refused. Uh, but they're still they're working scared. on it. Yeah, because they're scared. scared. That's what I'm talking about, dude. They're fucking entrenched in the way that shit, like, they don't want to give up power. It's a fucking wild card. It's a Molotov sure. cocktail that lights that shit on fire. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, and t- to be honest, like, as far as the idea of, like, having missed the boat, that's really, I mean, it's not entirely true, man. I mean, it is skyrocketing right now, but it's like, if it does, the reason why it's becoming more and more valuable is because it's becoming more and more of a network effect. More and more people are buying into the idea that it's a legitimate cause. As far as mathematically and philosophically and even just realistically and logically, I mean, zero transaction fees across the world don't have to do with, uh, you know, it's basically instantaneous. Um, you don't have to, tr- like, exchange monies and shit. It's, it, it makes sense. It, it's a fucking great idea. Once it gets accepted, which the idea is hopefully there's not, you know, more of these, like, gi- gigantic hacks that are happening. Like, what happened... Uh, Mount whatever. Like, the recent, yeah. like, spyware attack. This whole thing that, like, exploded all of these different countries and stuff. Like, they were... They basically locked everyone's computers that were like affected by this virus and said like you're gonna pay us a bitcoin or something to get your data back, you know. That's the kind of shit that they, that like is the dark side of bitcoin where it's like because it's so cryptic and it's not decipherable like where it's coming from or where it's going to. It really is more of a tool for like shady business more than anything. Yeah, and um, what I what I also want to add is, is talking about it being this global currency. Like I honestly I realistically don't ever see that happening in an official capacity where like the United States and every other country now runs on Bitcoin because you can't yeah. protect yourself from what happens around the world to Bitcoin, right? Cuz like the United States can control the dollar to a, a pretty good degree. And there are things that can happen in other markets that can seriously uh, affect it, right? But yeah. if you're talking about a single currency across the, the whole entire world that everyone is now tied to, it just takes some bad actor in a place that we don't even have any fucking knowledge of who, who can sink the whole thing and have a, a global effect because of that. And I don't think that's smart, and I don't think that will ever realistically happen. It may become like a... You know, it still may become huge, right? It may become the deference for how business is transacted, but I don't think it'll ever become like a universal kind of international institution of this is our this is money now. You know what I mean? 
Right. Yeah, I think I can almost see it because they are just like companies at the end of the day that are doing it. And I can almost kind of see it as like a credit card almost kind of system. Like Mm -hmm. your money is used, you know, you're using like their sort of credit system that can go across the world almost like infinitely, you know? Yeah. So. And, and, but, but the idea is, is that it's not just going to be like, you know, talking about like competition and everything falling because you have one, one coin. I mean, the idea is, is that they're, we're starting to explode in the number of cryptocurrencies, right? So even if Bitcoin fucking drops off the map, you're going to still have all these other cryptocurrencies that are still getting a lot. Yeah. Like Ether or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That are getting a lot more legitimacy. So. And and I've heard speculation that people think that a Bitcoin, even though it's you know pretty, a lot of people think it's overinflated right now. Um, but a lot of people also expect that it could grow to be like a hundred thousand dollars per Bitcoin. You know what I mean? So it's not it's not a horrible idea to invest now. Uh, I think we would still be considered like kind of like fast followers, not early adopters right. at all, but. You know, not everybody knows about it. Like, your grandparents probably don't know about it, you know? Yeah. I mean, it is exciting. Like, I think where I am right now in my own life with how, like, I save and spend money, like, I save the majority of my money and the rest I spend on wanting to take, like, trips or just buying, like, video games and entertainment, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I feel like I'm not going to be really in the realm, I'm not going to choose to be in the realm of investment till later, you know? Yeah, that's for old people. You know what I mean? That's for fuck you guys. For, I'm an investment yeah. right now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're the person we're supposed to invest with, actually. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. are in charge now. Yeah, but that's what I kind of want to bring to the table. What that do you was good guys? One. Yeah, thank you. I thought about you initially because I read the article and I was like, I still don't understand how these work, but that's pretty cool. I hope Hunter knows about it, and then you did. So that's so, great. another big limiting factor is they they can only like do like seven transactions per second, whereas like these banks can do like thousands. So once that kind of Picks up, up a there. little bit, yeah. Get a little bit more legit. No, oh, man. Yeah, but those are the kind of the obstacles that get fucking fixed real quick when demand is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I also want to throw in a correction as I was reading. It was forty billion, not four hundred billion. By the way, just throwing that. Oh, in there as well. okay. So that's a little bit more reasonable. I okay. Think. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, my story. This one comes from ESPN, and it the the headline is sources say teams hesitant to buy into Overwatch League due to high cost and undesirable contract terms. I bring this because there's one specific figure in this article that I was pretty surprised by, and I want to see if you guys get the same reaction. Activision Blizzard is struggling to sign franchises to its yet-to-launch Overwatch League because the asking price is too high, multiple sources close to the existing franchises and investments partners told ESPN. Multiple sources said Blizzard is asking for a $20 million franchise fee for the league featuring its popular 2016 game, with prices escalating from there in larger markets such as New York and Los Angeles. However, following the $20 million buy-in, teams are not guaranteed revenue sharing until after 2021, and only if Blizzard meets certain criteria that sources did not disclose. Additionally, sources said if a team sells its spot to another party, the league would receive 25% of the proceeds. And this is in comparison to uh, the League Championship Series for Riot Games' League of Legends, which is the most popular game in the world. They sell for $1.8 million for franchises. So, I just want to get your guys' take on a $20 million buy for people to get in on this Blizzard Overwatch League. 
That's surprisingly high, man. Like, especially given Blizzard, who usually has a little bit more of an approach of, like, not having such a huge entry fee and, like, being kind of more of a part of the system and, like, gaining profit that way instead of just, like, hmm. charging these people to be a part of their league. Not that, like, I mean, I was super excited about hearing about the league system however long ago we initially brought it up. Right. But I'm not sure if, I mean, I don't know what the scale is to, like, compare it to. Like, I don't know how it works for professional teams or, like, minor league teams in basketball or something like that. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. where those are in, in relevance. So, but that being said, I could easily see this being, like, the future, not the future of sports, but, like, one of the main parts of the yeah. future of sports like this could easily be in like a decade from now as common as watching a basketball game right so if it's in line with that maybe that's totally accurate i don't i don't know where it should be but comparing it to 1.8 million and almost what that's 10 times as much to get into this specific league that yeah. sounds a little a little wacky i mean i just well go ahead hunter uh i mean i don't really know like where 1.8 million comes from or where 20 million comes from i'm sure in either in either you know regard it's not just like being pulled out of their ass you know i i think really it comes down to the idea that they're they believe in the product in the future of this business and they're not going to shy behind saying well these guys do it for 1.8 we'll do it for 2 million they're saying this is going to be multiple millions of dollars you know this is a huge business and we're at the forefront of it uh i was reading like a a thing the other day about like alexander graham bell who created the telephone huge demand and then he goes to western union and is like i want a hundred thousand dollars for my patent and product or whatever and they're like that's ridiculous you know and then now it's fucking the phone so um the thing that the iPhone used that's, to be. That's how AT&T was born. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's the same concept, man. Like, they know that, or they're very, very convinced that this is the future and that this is going to blow up and be a huge arena that's going to make a lot of money. And they're saying, you know, fuck $2 million. We, we can bump that up to twenty. And it, I think it really just goes into the confidence of the future of this sport. And so, this, yeah, I want to ask you guys specifically about their confidence, right? Because... Overwatch, you know, and this is just the Overwatch League. Like, this isn't like teams get to buy into some sort of esports network and Overwatch happens to be a part of it. It's like, no, you're going to pay $20 million so you can compete in Overwatch, period, right? Mm-hmm. And so why, why do you think Blizzard is that confident, right? So first of all, Blizzard is a company that's been around for decades now that has an incredible track record. Like, there are, there are gamers who only play Blizzard games, right? You're talking Diablo, World of Warcraft, some of the biggest, now Overwatch, some of the biggest names in uh, video games, right? Yep. But I heard recently that they had, I think, like 20-ish million active users, or maybe it was like 25. That's a ton. That's a metric fuckload of active users, especially for video games. (laughs) Metric fuckload is actually the exact (laughs) scientific term. There's a footnote next to it. Um, (laughs) But you have a game like Destiny, which also has around 20 to 24 million daily active users, which is insane, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have a game like Rocket League that has 20 million active users. You have all these other games that are almost as big or just as big or maybe even a little bit bigger, but you don't see these companies taking the approach that Blizzard is taking. 
and you don't even see those other games watched as ardently as Overwatch is in, in the competitive space. You know, like there are Rocket League uh, competitions, but I feel like I don't hear about them very yeah, much. Same. I've never heard of a Destiny one. So why, why, why Overwatch? That I can't tell you. I've never even played Overwatch. So, well, I think <sighs> Overwatch just has that scene based around them, like a lot more so than you would Rocket League. Like I think Rocket League kind of came out of this casual approach that then turned into this like more professional or more like esports related game you know when when getting into rocket league is not hard like you can play that with a child right right but it became this like competition this actual esport driven game um i think destiny you know is kind of in the same way too at the end like you know there's always going to be like cod players in like call of duty and stuff like that and destiny definitely rolls in the same spectrum but that's also a huge spectrum of casual players and i'm sure overwatch has its share of like a casual audience but i think when the game came out it was known from the get-go that this when this game drops this is going to be our next like esports game so people got into it from the get-go and said all right we got to train and be good we got to be the best and that ended up kind of sparking this sort of like interest into the game to be more of a spectacle something that you can actually watch and view and and in turn you end up having this game that's a lot more of like it's supposed to be the game to watch instead of just like a really great game. Yeah. yeah. Like it is. Yeah. I, think I, mean, that I, makes don't, sense. I don't know how much of it is them kind of just uh, trying to open up some eyeballs of big fish, you know? I mean, yeah. Can I actually throw you something real quick as in terms of big fish? Yeah. This, um, yeah, this sure. comes down. Yeah. It's one of my favorite bands. No, yeah. <laughs> um, this is down in, towards the bottom of the article. It was previously reported that Kraft Sports Group, the family business headed by Robert Kraft, that also owns the NFL's New England Patriots and the MLS's New England Revolution, had closed in on a deal to purchase a spot. So, yeah, you're right, man. There are some big fucking fish looking at this. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, I wonder if that's more the idea, right? Like, like when you watch Shark Tank. And they give a business proposition, and it looks cute. Maybe the business works, and they're like, "We want five million dollars for this," you know. And it's like, "Whoa, shit!" Well, explain why. If they have a, a legitimate reason that the value's there, and then it's going to keep growing, I mean, it might get players, it might get people's attention that weren't looking before, you know. And, and maybe that's part of the strategy. It does seem kind of like a weird business aspect to say, you know. There are these other leagues that are doing a similar thing and that have similar bases, but are a tenth of the cost. Um, but you know, it might just be a strategy of theirs. Yeah, it's it's inarguable that they're doing something bigger and better and bolder. But ten times bigger, better, and bolder is like one hundred percent subjective at this point because really all they're doing is making it more like palatable to people who are not necessarily coming to watch just video games or who are not necessarily that like invested in the game themselves. And you think, you know, you think about it too. I mean, the more money that's in the sport, the better the production, the better, the, the more stakes, you know? And yeah, so I like, mean, they, they very well could, could be thinking about all the things that we think about where it's like, man, I wish all of our streams just had this and just had that. And they're like, you know what? We're going to be the first to fucking do all of it, you know? 
Yeah. But, I mean, if you think about NBA and NFL, I mean, that shit costs a lot of money. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, if, if you buy into this contract, we're going to put you on primetime television on a Friday night. You know, like, who knows? Like, it could be very exciting watching this develop, and it could be a spearhead for, uh, like, wider esports ubiquity, you know? Yeah, I say we follow it. See if... Uh if, if people latch on and uh, if it becomes something. Well, yeah, I always try it. to figure out what Witty Banter's relationship is to esports because I feel like, you know, we've got the FGC side of things with uh, Max Definitely. and I, but outside of that, I feel like we're not very interested or engaged with what esports actually is. Like, there are esports writers on Yahoo and ESPN and Lee, you know, yeah. everyone's kind of keeping up to date with tournaments like that. I feel like with us, we more look at it as the start of an industry that we're interested to watch grow. And we're just tangentially also like video games. Yeah. That's what I was trying. Yeah. That's what I would agree with as well is that I'm not necessarily interested in like finally overwatch or finally esports are getting the recognition, but like seeing this kind of be birthed, mm-hmm. you know, before us is one, I think that we've been waiting for a long time just from being fans of video games in general. And two, it's just like a very exciting because, you know, in 10, like I said, in 10 years, you could be like, I remember when the, EFL or whatever they're going to call it was like actually the, started. The you know what I mean? Yeah, the XFL. Yeah, yeah, dude. But you know what I mean? Just when like when it was actually started and founded and like see it explode from there. So I think that's yeah. more than more than anything. I like the speculation because we've been told there's this in product vision, right? Like it's going to be fucking bigger than any sport and all these people are going to flock to it. But right as it is right now, eh, you know, a little <laughs> Maybe. production value stuff that we want. Um, so I like, well, I like thinking about and watching speculatively yeah. the overall societally and from a business aspect. Uh, that's why I like keeping up with it. So it could also, I just want to throw this last thing in there that it could almost like, I feel like it could be like rejected in a way of like the same way that I know in the FGC, there's like such a huge part of the FGC that is super against being like made into esports and like all this other hmm. stuff because I think it waters down the sport or whatever. There's an like anti-mainstream. Right? And then if you, you might have people in like the over, like it's like the idea of like, we're going to put you on primetime television. There's so many people that are just like, so like you know what i mean <laughs> like why why yeah you know what i mean like i'm not gonna watch it on television i'm gonna still watch it on twitch and if they take it off of twitch that might be i don't know i just want to throw that out there as well that that might be yeah something to consider but who knows i think the prime uh, and je- before we finish i think the yeah. prime <laughs> time yeah before the, the i think the what's interesting about prime time tv though is now we don't have to watch it in our rooms we can watch it at a bar and and, you're, and maybe still those people who watch it on on Twitch don't even care about that, but that's what I ultimately always want from these. Even with like Street Fighter showing up, Evo Top Eight on ESPN, it's like mm-hmm. yes, I can go to a fucking bar and sit down, have a beer, eat some food with my friends, and watch this thing, you know. And that's true. All I want. Yeah. Cool. And one more note, joke. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Yeah, that's all I got. Yeah. Alrighty, guys. Um, so I'm go. I, I gathered uh, some information from an article I read uh, from Technology Review, and uh, just gonna see what you guys think. So Todd Holmdahl, who is Great known name. for leading the uh, teams that were um, creating the Xbox and Xbox 360 for okay. for micro for Microsoft. I've heard of those before. Yeah, um, the same guy who led those teams has recently been assigned to lead a re, uh, an augmented team of physicists, engineers, and mathematicians 
trying to add mighty computing powered by quantum physics to Microsoft's menu of cloud computing services. All to say, they're trying to make quantum computers, okay? And as of right now, quantum computing is in its infancy. Google, IBM, and even some startups have already uh, demonstrated prototype hardware capable of crunching data, and Microsoft hasn't done a single thing. They haven't made a prototype yet. But the idea is is that they're betting on this like kind of like niche or like unproven gamble of quantum computing, right? All of quantum computers currently are are all quantum computers are bit on built on qubits, which represent data using physics only apparent at very tiny scales, such as you know the, the bits that we work on computers now uh, are either zero or one, right? Qubits have the ability to act in the same way that things in a quantum field do, such as it can be one or zero or both at the same time, which basically exponentially increases your ability to compute uh, ridiculous equations and calculations. Um, as far as like stuff that's been made right now, they basically only have like superconductors and uh, like ion metal ions floating around inside of magnetic fields. That's what Google and IBM's doing. But um, as far as Holmdahl's crew, they're chasing a different approach to quantum hardware based on manipulating a subatomic particle called the Majorana fermion, which is not 100% sure to have ever been seen. So basically, they're gobbling up all of this freaking talent in quantum computing, right? Microsoft is. And they have this new team headed by this guy who made the Xbox and Xbox 360. And they're like, okay, well, IBM and Google like have all these prototypes. They're already ahead of the game. They've got like 17 qubits is like the most they've gotten into a chip so far. Um, and Microsoft hasn't done anything, but they're like, if we can get this other thing that we haven't really, we're not even sure if it really exists, but if we can prove that it exists, then it'll be way more reliable and we can put it to scale way faster because of the, the, the stuff that Microsoft already has in place, then they can kind of leapfrog them in that way. Um, and so, I don't know. I just think it's interesting because, I mean, quantum computers right now are being um, kind of set up as these things that are going to be so powerful that they're going to be able to solve equations that would take like hundreds of thousands of years for all the computers that we have right now to be able to do in like a few minutes, right? It's um, a pretty big leap. Yeah, it's a huge, it's a ridiculous leap, right? And so they're really just taking this huge chance and they're like, we don't even know if this works. We're going to put millions of dollars into this, get the best team we can, put this guy at the head of it. We'll see if it happens. But have y'all heard anything about quantum computers or any of this shit? I have not, not really. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, you know, I feel like the, I was actually just thinking the other day, like if somebody asked me to define what quantum was, I would be like, uh, it's like really namby pamby, yeah, spacey, fast, uh, <laughs> hybridy, uh, fusion, you know, like I wouldn't really know how to directly explain. So, I mean, from what it sounds like, I mean, that could be a huge jump, 
you know, for computing. I remember we had one news story. I think it was just when you and me were on here mm-hmm. about how they were like revolutionizing, revolutionizing memory in a very similar way. Yeah, you said computers. they were putting data into atoms. Yeah, exactly. Right. Which that sounds quantum to me. Right. <laughs> I feel like there, there's Quantum-esque. a quantum involved there. Right. Quasi quantum. So I think that if you have a company like Microsoft behind it, I mean, who else is doing I mean, IBM is, I don't really know, like, scale-wise compared to Microsoft, but, like, are they, do does Microsoft have that many more, like, resources than a company like IBM would? That's what I was going to say, is it's yeah. really, it's, it's really cool to see these Titan uh, companies start to get competitive with each other, because Microsoft is a behemoth, and when they yeah. put their muscle behind something, they will at least they will make something. It may not be the best, but it's gonna happen, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm not gonna and I'm not gonna say that like, oh, if Microsoft puts their mind to it, they'll invent new tech, you know. But like, <laughs> if there's something, <laughs> it does sound like you. If there's something there to be found, I think when they put their money behind it, they'll find it. But that's also something I could I can confidently say in Google, and I know IBM is a fucking tech powerhouse as well. So yeah. it's excited that all three of these companies are like hiring talent and and actively pursuing it you know one is bound to get it you know what i mean like, the, one well of like, two of them are already on their way and even yeah. startups are doing this somehow i mean it's funny like i've heard a lot of speculation specifically with ibm like for some reason warren buffett sold like all of his shares of ibm recently and that was like hundreds right. of millions of dollars right and so uh and, and so you think about that and then i also heard some speculation from people that are like in the quantum fucking culture and they're like quantum culture quantum culture they're like ibm that's that's bullshit like they don't make quantum anything like that you know it's kind of like that's the the reddit quantum quantum club on reddit r slash quantum yeah r slash quantum uh but yeah i mean imagine those fucking memes (laughs) (laughs) so meta yeah um but yeah, I, I just think it's cool that you, yeah, you you do have these titans of of computer genius going at it, and they realize the ultimate prize. The prize is there, and they know that it's possible now because mm-hmm. they've already got qubits working. Yeah. And two of them already have prototypes going, trying their different things. These are proven strategies. It's really just how they can make it scale. Um, and the other one's like, I don't know, our dark horse is on this uh, Majorana Fermion that we don't even know is real. Um, it's just, it's just, it's just cool to see the, the idea because I ultimately I think the per- first person to make it to where it is a general use quantum computer is just gonna fucking the finish line is theirs. You know, um, you're gonna put a lot of computing power in people's hands when that happens. So it'll be an exciting race. We'll have to follow that one as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well. We're also follow up with this beer after we come back from a little bit of a halftime. Thank you for all your stories, guys. Let's come back and see what's going on. If you want to keep up with the show after the microphones have turned off, be sure to follow us on social media by searching Witty Banter Show on Twitter and Instagram and liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Witty Banter Podcast. Want to steer the conversation or be a part of the show? Just go on down to wittybantershow.com and leave us a suggestion for a beer or a question for us to answer on the show. And if you like what we're doing and you want to support the cause, head on over to iTunes and leave a review. And feel free to share it with your friends. Let's get back to it. Honey, yours kind of sounded like um, like coming back from halftime at ESPN on that one. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, everybody heard that, right? <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, we're not coming back from halftime ESPN. We're coming back from halftime uh, on Witty Banter, which is PM. where we come up with a what? beer halftime. What? Huh? <laughs> a beer halftime. Uh, so what are we all thinking about the beer so far? It's good. I, it's it's <laughs> opened it's up. Um, I don't know. I guess it's like still tart, but it's. I, I think <laughs> when it's not, when it's not as cold, like right out of the fridge, maybe a little more bearably tart. Um, it's hard. I guess I just have a hard time with sours, like extracting things outside of that. See, I too am also a a a sour novice. You know, I'm I'm not a f- ashamed to admit it. I'll say it here on air. Uh, I don't really know a whole lot about sours, so when I try this, I'm trying so hard to find flavors outside of the sour. Like, I've tasted a beer with sour in it, I've tasted mm-hmm. other sours, but I haven't had a whole bunch to where I can compare them all and find these little nuances that change them in between. We need them. to have, like, a, a, a sour flight episode or something. Sour flight, yeah. Just so that we can Just get so our bearings. Can, yeah, yeah. If I can expand our palates a little bit. <laughs> Just have to ask the Cicerone, man. Get, get the real info. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's probably Absolutely. True. But yeah. my no, like no matter what, like <laughs> she's, got the, she's got the schnoz. she's got the schnoz. I don't got the schnoz. Got the schnoz. That's it. I don't got the schnoz. <laughs> <laughs> Can't so do much you if you don't got the schnoz. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got on it, man? Yeah. Dude, it's it's just so drinkable. Like I'm already having to stop myself from finishing the beer. Um, I really like it. It's it's tart, but it finishes very quickly. It doesn't linger in your mouth. Um, it's dry hopped, and I do feel like I get a little bit of the hot character, which gives it a nice balance. It's extremely citrusy. It's one of the most citrusy beers I've, I've had, and they executed it well. Um, it may be a little sharp for my taste. Like, there's, like, tart is, is something that is almost like a physical effect on my tongue, and then there's other sours where it's it's like an actual sour taste that hangs around, and mm-hmm. I'm okay with both. This one feels to mostly just be tart. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's that's kind of where I'm at with it right now. Yeah, I just right. get so distracted by the tartness that it's like, how am I going to talk about like the other aspects of the beer? You know, there's I don't get hops. I get, I, I just get the sour. I get hops, and I get that dryness too as well. And I dude, I agree, dude. Honestly. I'm drinking this beer very quickly. It does. Yeah, it yeah, does just five point eight. It, it yeah. does just feel like a summer beer, yeah, and it very... looks like a summer beer from the great bottle. Yes, <laughs> it's a very summery bottle too, <laughs> as well. Oh man! But you know what? You know what else is also good in the summer? Peaches. You know what I mean? <laughs> Peaches for like me. It, yeah, <laughs> peaches are delicious, and sometimes on the show we bring in a little conversation peach. Taste it, savor it, suck the pit, bite it, it's juicy, feel the hairs, take a nibble, peel the skin, swallow it whole. Let's all have a conversation. Peach. One of my favorites. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a very simple concept. Okay, we bring to the table a... A concept, a and juicy, we explore it. You know, yeah, a juicy, furry little 
Fury Nectarine. Or wait, not a Nectarine. Or <laughs> I don't even know. Is that the same? I don't know. We're really. going to bite into it, whatever it is. Yeah, all right. So give us something to bite into today, Hunter. So I gave them a little palette to choose from. And what we decided to choose on is hygiene. Now, I don't think that anyone listening regularly or the hosts is um, a stranger to the idea that I have brought up hygiene before. Including the washing of hands, right? It's washing of hands. We did the, the, the toilet one, I remember, right. as well. Yes, that Another was Another big memorable. concern of yours. Yeah. Right. That was a long conversation. <laughs> Surprisingly long. <laughs> we'll, we'll try and scarf this down a little faster yeah, this time. Right. But, I mean, I just keep reading articles that are saying, You're, we're, we're all showering too much. We're, we're brushing our teeth way too often. We, you know, it's just like all these things that are basically saying, like, we're trying too hard to be hygienically healthy. Yeah, man. Like, to a point of unhealthiness. Like, they're saying that it's it's so (laughs) bad that, like, our microbiome of, like, bacteria and oils and shit are being all fucked with. And that, you know, it's just, it's not natural at at the end of the day. Yeah, and I'm just wondering, do you guys have a stance on this? I feel like Chase is going to be more in line what are you with to say, the Hunter? things I'm reading. He's a sloppy boy. Well, Chase, Chase is a play. dirty hey, boy. Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> <A> sloppy boy. <laughs> I would not say sloppy boy, but Chase has had the longest <laughs> hair. Of all of us. That's true. So he I knows got it. Well, okay. about the essential oils. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the showering that needs to happen or does uh-huh. not need to happen. All very important. So what are your thoughts? Yeah. I dude, I mean it is it that when you read this these things, you're like, I don't want to give up my my current hygienic routine. Are you do you feel grossed out? Do you feel do you feel hygienically assaulted by these ideas? Like where where are we coming from? It's really not and I had it I had, you know, my concern addressed, but it still doesn't mean I'm going to switch, which is that even when I shower every day or I'm around people that I know shower every day, people still stink. <laughs> you know? Like even, yeah. even people that brush their teeth Every day, mm-hmm. if they get too close to me, I'm like, back up, you know, back up, bro. You smell, yeah. But and- the thing about not showering and dialing back these hygienics is like that distance between the back up, it's only gonna get bigger, man, right? Right? And it's like uh, uh, they're maybe. saying, like, okay, we well, only have to shower like twice a week, and I'm like, that, dude, whew. if I don't well, the- shower, if I don't shower every day, I'm gonna smell like butthole, yeah. And- I mean, showering is tough, right? Because Especially if you're going to the gym, you're actively getting filthy. Stinky. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And becoming a stinky lad. Dude, I like even after a long day, I come home and I sniff my pits and it's just like with someone something died down there? Like what the fuck happened? <laughs> <laughs> and, and you so, don't think that can be that can be fixed or just like, you know, maybe like drying up your pits a little bit or something? Well what they're saying is, is Does that, that need a shower? In these articles is that if you go back to a natural state of your There's no just drying it, Max. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're not gonna just dry away that problem. <laughs> if you go back to the natural state of your microbiome, that <laughs> essentially like you'll smell, right? Because like your body's been You'll have over- your smell. It's it's like an immune system, right? Like if if your immune system is uh, constantly, if you're constantly like washing your stuff and making sure that you're never uh, infected or, or, or brought upon with like bacteria and stuff, then your immune system is going to get kind of weak. And I think it's the same thing with your microbiome and your bacteria, where it's like 
um, you know, like you're going to smell it first if you don't start doing these things, but your body will adapt and then everything will be okay. Like you won't retain that smell over time. It'll go away because your body will adapt. Yeah. And the thing I mean, is about the smell is I do feel like a large part of it is just the cultural norms of any given place. Like when you do go to other, other countries and stuff where they, they, it's not the norm to shower every day and it is twice a week. When you come back, people are like, yeah, dude, people fucking stink over there, but they don't, yeah. they don't, they can't tell they, it doesn't bother them whatsoever. It's just their environment. I do think yeah, there like is. like when Max walks into my place and it smells like ass and you, I don't even you know. You had no idea because you've been <laughs> sitting in the ass room Which all day. Which isn't common, by the way. Yeah. I usually take out the trash, okay? Yeah. But no, I, I totally agree with both of you. First off, like the, the human body's natural, like, you know, response is adaptation. You know, if you are doing something for your body on the outside, it's going to think, okay, that's, that's the covered. Norm. That's covered. Yeah. That's we're good. We don't have to do anything about that. Just shoot out all of our smelly, stinky toxins all the time. <laughs> this magic guy just comes through and just out. washes it all off, right? <laughs> so when you stop, after a while, your body'd be like, "What the fuck? We need to cool it. All the stink, mm-hmm. right?" So I can see that definitely being, you know, absolutely yeah, get over the hump. Yeah, but do you think that like Western cultures will ever rear it back? I will just say that, like, I don't think. It's definitely held to a very high degree in Western culture. And I think even, I'm not saying twice a week. Twice a week is crazy, right? Twice a week will get you. <laughs> Dude, we'll twice, get you a week, your, twice a week is like, I'm reading articles of people that do not, not shower anymore. Yeah, dude. And like, that's, that's wacky, okay? Because what happens when I, you know, get covered in something gross? It's like in that instance, you know, you water it off. You, you hose yourself. You take right? a swim. <laughs> Just go out back. That. But I will say that I am either. I am either surrounded by people who are very conscious of my feelings <laughs> or it's not as bad as you think, because there are definitely days where I've gone maybe one or two days without showering. Just naturally. I just have. And the most I've done is I've like put deodorant on or something mm-hmm. and I change. I have fresh clothes. I actually, you know what? I have fresh shirts. I commonly <laughs> wear the same pants. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah, dude, my pants get reworn all the time, and I'll go to places, and nobody is at least said to my face, like, hey, Max, you smell like a sack of butts. Adults are nicer than kids in this regard. That's true, but nobody has said anything, at least in those moments then, so I don't think it needs to be held to the same degree that we, we think it does. Like, like, you know, there's, like, I'll even go to the gym, and I'll smell, Mm -hmm. and I'll come home. Maybe I'll do something instead of going like directly into the shower and like as I kind of dry up or as I kind of like it's do like, more stuff, I'm not, I'm less stinky. Yeah. You need to work harder, your, bro. Yeah, maybe that's <laughs> what it is, man. Maybe I need to increase my deadlift. Do you even lift, bro? Bro, <laughs> but like. Do you even sweat, dude? Yeah. And I do, you know? I sweat a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I still like, after it dries up and stuff, I've gone to like class or something afterwards and not felt like I was overly stinky person. Like I, I'm just I'm very against overcleanliness. I think that overcleanliness is You're like very really, against it. Like just overcleanliness just is, is so much. I think so. What so is what like, is the what are, what are the traits right now that you see of overcleanliness? Because I want to know what the spectrum is. Like if we're if we're gonna start dialing things back, what are we willing to give up on? You know, I like, think for me, it's like okay, dude, it's okay if you're gonna be dirty. If you have plans to wash it, you know what I mean. Does that make sense? Like, okay, let's let's take. We can think of the social aspects. You're gonna be. You're, you're afraid that you're gonna be too stinky. Okay. Yeah. All right. 
And maybe it's different from person to person. And if you're an overly stinky person, maybe you need to take extra care. Be considerate. But I think the average person is not as smelly as they think they are. Your face is pretty close to your armpits. So if you <laughs> lift up something and you're grabbing something on the shop shelf and you're like, oh, my gosh, I smell like a, you know, sack of rags. Like Even I'm I gross. can smell myself sometimes. Right? And that's, yeah, absolutely. You probably can. Chances are the person standing a little far away from you can't. And think of your normal human interactions, like, you know, outside of maybe your significant other. Nobody's getting really that close to you. You know, it is also, again, Western culture. Yeah. We don't like people getting in too close. Don't yeah, kiss me on the cheek. You shake true. my hand from four feet away. You know what I mean? Like, it's still not as bad as you think. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to, like, your health, if you get dirty, just, you know, don't lick your fingers. Like, if it goes into an <laughs> orifice, orifices are a different story. Don't lick your fingers. Don't put it in your ears. <laughs> Anything that can enter into your body, that'll fuck this is you taking up. taking a right turn. Dude, but like your skin, your skin's fine. Yeah. Because like, again, like, you know, talking about the washing hands thing, right? Is like, one, I've showered. I feel like I've been vindicated, man. Yeah, I mean, like, one, I've showered. And two, recently, like, I've been, do- I've been trying a different kind of, uh, I've been drinking a lot more water. It's a part of, like, what I'm trying to do for health purposes. And so that means I'm going to the bathroom like 16 times a day. Yeah, like dude. it's an outrageous thing. And it's starting to get to the point where like I know that me washing my hands is so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. You turned on this faucet Even though I'm 20 times purely today. sold that you should wash your hands in a general sense after going to the bathroom. But still, I mean, because of this newfound thing, I'm like, dude, if no one's in here, I'm not washing my hands. Amen, oh, dude. A- that's amen. crazy, man. So I, so I have now, I understand a little bit more. But that's only because I have to go, like, so often. But, yeah, I mean, I, I totally understand the idea. Even when I had a little bit longer hair, you do benefit from having a little, a day or two where you don't shampoo your hair, right? You need some or, scruff, or, man. Or several, you know? I mean, I need the grease you, for you style. You need the oil wise. a yeah. little bit. I mean, your body has essential oils, and you taking a shower and scrubbing that shit off every day, you're not, you're not helping. In that you're doing instance. yourself a disservice. I think I'm more, I'm more pro like reducing this overcleanliness feature in principle, but I'm not sure if I'm about it and i think that's the culture i think that's the cultural side though i think that's the cultural norms that we're so used to living a certain way that it's going to be very hard to be like you know what no i don't do that anymore you know it's gonna be hard Mm -hmm. Mm. and plus like you know it's like we need to preserve water i was about to say my final point would, would be if this is a part of reducing america's ridiculous footprint Maybe we got to do it, man. Go for it, man. Maybe the cleanliness is just a side effect of the fact that we are just resource hogs. If America's going to give up one thing to reduce our footprint, what do you think we'd be most willing to give up? Most willing? It, like for Texans, it's not going to be air conditioning. I'll tell you that. Uh, no. Because, I mean, I mean this, this might be the closest thing I could think of. I was going to say water seems pretty, pretty safe. Transition to electric cars would be good. Yeah, gas. All right, that makes sense. We've got the whole Uber thing going too. But it's not really the that's not the peach. Just <laughs> don't pick that. Don't peel that yeah, yet. Yeah, we we got another right. we got <laughs> more peaches in the bushels. Yeah. All right. Well thanks oh, for man. thanks for entertaining my quip. Of course. Absolutely. Anytime. This is where you can come to vent your, you know, social anxieties or <laughs> you know, dilemmas. Insecurities like that, about or however you want to, right? Exactly. Uh, you can also 
vent your social anxieties uh, through an email to us so we can actually read on air, right? So let's go ahead and hop on over to today Nick's Dunter. Mail Corner. No, no, no. Dunter's it's got to be Dunter. Dunter. Okay, Dunter's Mail Corner. Okay, okay, okay. It's Nick. It's Dunter's Mail because <laughs> I I was thinking about how I was praising the Nick's Mail Corner buffer recently, but I also remembered that the Dunter's Mail Corner buffer is one of my favorite of the new ones as well. I it's still a get a kick guy. out of listening to it. I was yeah. very glad when I showed it to you and you were like, that was awesome. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. First question comes from Dooney Ray. He says, hey, fellas, I hope y'all are well. Why do we care about imaginary points in competitive games? Why as human beings do we need systems, systems which we know are inherently flawed, which calculate a quantifiable number and attach themselves to us? We know these leagues and numbers aren't 100% accurate. They can't calculate intangible skills, but still, we try to improve our rating. I'm, super tr- I'm trying super hard to break into Masters in Overwatch, which is the third highest skill tier, and it's wearing on me. Take care, Israel. I think it's a cool question, man. It's a very good question. I think it it's means kind of existential. It means something different to all of us. I feel like, which is also very. We're talking about like the compiling of your like your game or score or like your accomplishments in the virtual realm. I think there's yeah, there's a difference between like your gamer score, right, or your like your rank in something. Like mm-hmm. I think that me and Chase have both struggled with what rank means to us, right, and if it means anything. You know? Yeah, I've only cared about rank in one game. And that what was Guitar game? Hero. Oh, that is actually. Whenever we got like top t- fifty in Freya, just on shits and gigs on co-op, I was, was like, like, "I'm going number one." I was like, yeah. "Holy fuck!" Well, that's so much different because I feel like that's almost like more objective. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's yeah. just us versus the song, and it's how accurate are you playing to the song, and where are you using your star power in the most yeah. prominent parts? It is, yeah, right. So that's super objective. So I think that one's almost like. That's legit- cool, man. That's, <laughs> that's, that's legit, legit dude. That's real. <laughs> that's a real thing. You know what I mean? If you can say that you did, you can. If you get a better score in Guitar Hero, you are technically better. Well, I don't know. Uh, you know what? <laughs> you know what? I don't know. Does that mean We've you're better at the back song? And forth, you Does know? that mean you're better at the song in I the Guitar Hero song? If you get a better score, but I guess so. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think Chase, you've compiled the most of these sorts of things, right? So, yeah. so what would you say to this? Well, no, I mean. I think what he's getting at is just these numbers that we chase in a multiplayer game when we choose ranked instead of unranked. And how when I play unranked, I'm fucking calm, I'm cool, I'm collected. The second the word says ranked next to a playlist that does literally the same thing as the one below it, then you get you get fucking huffy, you know? Yeah, these you are can, the recorded can, matches. Yeah, you can ruin your day, you know? And like, I mean... <laughs> Max, what has your experience been coming bumping up against like platinum and not reaching it? Um, yeah, so I have two experiences with fighting games recently, and I think when I first was playing like Street Fighter as much as I could, I I thought that ranked meant a lot, mostly because in order for it was almost like in order to be accepted for a match, you gotta you gotta show them that you're good enough, right? Like, just like anywhere, right? Like, are you, you know, give me your resume that says that you are able to practice with with the big dogs. You know what I mean? So you need a higher rank, right? Which is why I struggled so hard in Street Fighter 4 to get up, like, my player points so that I could competently play with other people in practice matches where they would, like, respect me and, like, would just give me the game, would just let me play, 
Sounds right? like it's coming down to respect here. Yeah, it's a respect thing, and that yeah, exactly. Uh, with Street Fighter Five, I mean, it's definitely like I it's a struggle, and I place way too much uh, emphasis on ranked. And even now, it's kind of the same thing. Like all I want to do is play player matches. That's all I want to do because they're they make more sense. Like you're right, you are less like you're less emotional. You can think about them more logically. You're mm-hmm. more relaxed. You're cooler. Also, there's just like in-game features, like especially like in Injustice as well. I've been, I've been taking the approach to play more player matches purely because you can rematch right afterwards. Yeah. I'm going to get in more games that way. Mm-hmm. And all I really want is to get better at these games at the end of the day. So yeah. I've kind of disassociated myself with ranked. And I think that, I mean, at least in Injustice, I'm definitely still there in Street Fighter Five. I haven't played in a while, but when I go back, I'm going to get fucking platinum. Yeah. Right? Like, I just, <laughs> yeah. I have to for myself. Right? And then higher than that, probably, hopefully, is what I want. Right? So that's just how I yeah, think Yeah, I, I want to touch on that respect part of things because I'm actually, I started reading this new book called Homo Ludens, and it's called A Study of the Play Element in Culture. And it's like this anthropologist dude who wrote this book in the 30s. And, like, so many video game books I read uh, cite this guy. So I was like, I'm just going to go ahead and read this one book, right? Mm-hmm. And I just got done reading a part where he talks about contests. And he talks about how in, like, pre-civilization cultures, there existed the will, there existed contests that people wanted to play each other in different games and sometimes these games are very serious and sometimes they weren't at all but it's just because what exists is this human element to want to be praised for your abilities like it is very much a i want to be recognized for excellence yeah what the fuck is the olympics dude i mean yeah yeah and and to be to do something with excellence is just is literally to just do it better than what other than how other people can do it. And once you've gotten there, you've established some sort of honor and uh, superiority. And it's like a very human instinctual basic thing, you know, and with and I think that can be traced all the way through to ranked matches in, in games. Right. And I don't think everybody inherently wants to be better than everybody else. In fact, I think there's probably a wide population of people that can just play for the sake of playing. But I do think that it's more likely that you do have that tendency than you don't. And even with uh, rank things, it may be because you want the respect of your peers or it may be because it's just a goal that you set for yourself. You know, like when Max says, I'm going to get platinum. Like why? Like, because I have to, it's something that I want to do. It's a goal. And the same thing with, uh, Dooney in in Overwatch. So I think it's something that's inherently just inside of us, you know, and at the end of the day, like just because it's a video game shouldn't demerit the fact that it's still a contest and contests are as old as time, you know? Yeah. And, and like it's, it's, it's as arbitrary, but as valued as like a marathon, right? Like who cares, who cares that you can run 26.2 miles, but if you ran a marathon, then that's different. Then you're in an elite yeah. club, right? Then you're then you're respected and accepted for that. I mean, arbitrary is the perfect way to describe it because what games like inherently are are they they exist only for the sake of existing, right? Like they are order. Like they are rules. They have a start and an end point, and they are there simply to be experienced. You know? Yeah. And so, yeah. The thing for me is, is I've always just gotten my ass handed to me anytime it is a ranked 
or multiplayer online scenario. So I've just lost is, a is, lot of competitive will there. But Hunter, is there anything outside of video games that you feel like you actively compete with or against? Or You know what I mean? Because like competition in, in my friends group, I feel like is fucking non goddamn stop. Like... I don't even want to tell people that I'm playing Guilty Gear because I don't want them to <laughs> yeah. think that I might be better than them so that when they beat me, it's going to fucking hurt that much worse, you know? Like, yeah, <laughs> of course. I think I, I, I think that I have reduced... I, I, I can't honestly think of something that I genuinely compete in anymore. And, I, and that's probably bad because competition usually makes you better. Um, but I think most of the things that I really enjoy doing and that I pursue are mostly either on my own... Or just with like with friends, you know, like it's not really about pinning myself against something. It's more about just trying to enjoy it. So I don't know. I, I, I was definitely way more competitive growing up, but something happened where I was just like, yeah, I just am losing the, the will to compete in this, in this regard. I don't is know. It, is it a fear of losing? Um, no, I think I just got really turned off by people being overly competitive. Yeah, you know, being subject yeah. to other people being so competitive that I'm like, I don't ever want to come across like that person. And so I kind of just took the polar opposite route. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I'm going to be chill about close. everything. Yeah. Interesting. Or at least try. I don't know. Hmm. Thank you for the question, Dooney. I really like that one. Me too. Me too. Now, this next one, Dunter Horse said is just serving up a fucking meatball for oh, one of the wow. members on this podcast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I wonder who it is. <laughs> They say, tell me a funny fart story. <laughs> Till next time, Jelly Jugglers. Dunter, oh, the no. in-charge horset. Jeez, man. A I like the sign-off. Huh? Um, I'll go first. Okay. A good one <laughs> okay, okay. Ninth grade Spanish class. I'm sitting there, and I've got something pushing up against my nether regions. It's got to come out. And yeah. it's one of those where like you're fiddling around, you're really bouncing, you're trying to like you want it, you know, if you gave it your fur, your full strength that the next room could probably hear it, <laughs> but yeah, you need to make sure that this shit escapes <laughs> as quietly as possible, right? Which is yeah, all you're doing is just changing the yeah, the trajectory. Changing the, t- the timber and the yeah, tone. The timber, yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> the reed is just getting all messed up. And right when it happens, right when I expunge this thing, my teacher, who has been speaking the whole time, and under the cover of her voice, was I going to sneak out like a fart bandit with this fart? She goes for a long breath. She takes a... And at that precise moment, I let out a... And literally, the entire room... Here's it. Like everyone's ears perk up the second those air, like the sound goes out. But I was saved. I was saved this day because I turn around and someone who had been sitting behind me, uh, Jonathan Wilcher, was asleep. And he heard this fart and he was like, this is too funny to stay asleep for. I got to check this out. And so he lifts his head up from the desk. Yeah. To see what's going around, and that movement signaled to everybody <laughs> that I am the culprit. <laughs> and no one, nobody knew that it was me who shed a fart that day. You just oh, let him man. take the blame. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to this day. Oh, yeah. He's known as the fart no boy. No shame. 
And there was actually one girl in our class who was like, what's so funny? And like asked him specifically because everyone was like, <laughs> it was pointing their laughter at him. And he, and he literally asked her, he was like, did you not fucking hear that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's pretty good. I think I know mine. What's yours? Um, so I'm sure, I think Chase definitely knows this one. Um, we, I have a buddy named Ryan Clapsaddle uh, from high school. <laughs> and we had, we were, you know, we were on like kind of the, the group that would transfer from the ninth grade campus to the high school campus to go to the varsity practices, right? We were the big dogs. And Ryan Clapsaddle and I and a few other of our friends are sitting in the back of the school bus on the way there. And we're sitting in fucking traffic. And it's the middle of summer, or it's not summer, it's like spring, but it's hot as shit. And we're just sitting in traffic. We're not moving, right? Ryan Clapsaddle, which I don't think he's ever been known for ripping ass, but <laughs> he has like a really like goofy de- face and demeanor. He's really funny. Yeah. And we're sitting in the very back, and he just rips one. And it's not loud, but it is pungent, dude. <laughs> and it starts like reeking its way to the front of the bus. <laughs> and we have this guy who's driving the bus who's probably like 70 years old. <laughs> And <laughs> he doesn't know how the new we're farts all, like, are laughing because people are slowly turning around like <laughs> as it goes forward. And we look at the front and, you know, you can see like the mirror that the bus driver looks at to see the rest of the bus. We just see his eyes like super <laughs> intense. Look to the back of the bus and we're sitting in the middle of the traffic. So he just stops, like puts the par- car in park or whatever. And walks to the back of the bus while we're like laughing our asses off. And he's like, Who did that? <laughs> Who did that? Oh. And you know, you think he's so mad, you think that like people would be kind of afraid to say it. And Ryan claps, I was like, Me. And just puts his hand up in the air and claims the hell out of it. And at that uh, point, you have to. And the guy was so mad. Like by the time we got to the place where we got stopped off, we're like walking in like single file getting off the bus. And this guy straight up is like, I don't ever want you back on my bus. <laughs> yes, <dude. laughs> and he's oh, like, man. Are you serious, dude? <laughs> and the guy goes, Oh, you a big boy now? Huh? You a big boy? Because <laughs> <laughs> he farted. Because he farted. It was just so funny. Like, this guy was so offended by a fart, stinking so bad. <laughs> Oh, I think no. that was like the most I've ever laughed because of a circumstantial oh. fart. It was just too good. It was golden. Oh, I'll never man. forget that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty good. All right, Max, saving the best for last. Buddy. <laughs> oh, I don't know, man. But so, like at work, I've just completely been promoted to fart boy, one hundred percent. Like it's just out Wonder there. How how is that I a, am the fart man. Is it a demotion? Right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, it depends on how you look at it, right? So, not only am I known for f- like being the farty guy, but I'm also known for my triggers for fart, for farts. <laughs> triggers. And um, so I, I work at a restaurant, and sometimes we'll we'll host these like banquet parties. And the these... best time to fart. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Course, well, yeah. no, it's not that. It's that when the banquet's all done, they had this huge cheese board, right? And it was just standing out, which is a stationary cheese board that nobody touched. And on this cheese board was a shitload of brie, which is like my favorite cheese. <laughs> I love brie cheese. So before we started closing everything down, I just like gorged on a shitload of brie, right? Mm-hmm. 
And uh, just to kind of preface the story, earlier that day, um, our coffee machine had been kind of like fucking up and like <laughs> and was like making all these sort of like weirder sort of smelling like weird things are kind of going on and they were like burnt coffee and stuff was smelling up the place and it was yeah. being really strange and our our manager was already kind of like upset about the situation so i gorge on some fucking cheese and immediately i can feel it in my stomach like i'm <laughs> getting the fucking gurgles and not only that but we have to move tables so i'm constantly bending and moving gas around my stomach triggering yourself everywhere right <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, so I'm in the back and we're we're walking by the fucking the coffee machine and I let one go, right? And it's horrifying. It's disgusting. It's the classic Max brand. And right then and right then the manager comes in and he's already in like a, a fuss. And he walks in and he's got a clipboard in his hand and he smells it and he looks directly over at the coffee machine and he's like, are you serious? And he slams the clipboard down on the table and he's like, okay, seriously, what is wrong with this? And he starts getting at this fucking coffee machine because of my horrible brief art and he's like pulling it out and he's looking everywhere he's like what is making it do that because he tried to clean it earlier and he was like there's no fucking way I'm calling he's like talking about the company were you losing your shit I was fucking dying I had to leave because I wasn't about to tell him that's hilarious yeah dude So he's ripping it apart. He's talking about how he's going to call the company and like get him out here and come out here to fix his fucking machine because something's fucked up because it should not smell like this. It is fucked up. And I'm just fucking dying the whole time. That's, that's probably my, my best. We have all these part. culprits, you yeah, know, right? yeah. <laughs> whether yeah. they're a true culprit or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we definitely pawned it off. All of us pawned it off on somebody else. Oh, all right. That was That's great. all the questions we have. Yeah, yeah that was awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank you, everybody, for the questions. Uh, let's go ahead and put some numbers on this beer, man. This. Let me just go ahead and say this beer is really good. Yeah. I like it a lot. I think this beer is really tight. Just in time for the summertime. It's got a nice, crisp vibe to it. What are you guys feeling about it? Yeah. Uh, definitely been more agreeable than other sours I've had. And it seems like... It was going for a summery beer, and I think that they accomplished that. So given my novice standing mm-hmm. and given um, my inability to really extract a whole lot other than that, I mean, it's you know it's light and crispy. I like the look of it. I like the advertising. It's sour. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's about all I can really give it. I think it opened up well. Um, I'll give it a 7.5. You know, I think it's not... I don't think it blew me away the, the way that whatever the thing that we, the lips of faith or whatever, um, you know, I, I think I've had better, but, but it was definitely solid. I would recommend it for anybody who is, who is intrigued by a sour. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely kind of in the same boat. Uh, I, I really like the beer. That being said, I'm, I'm not like familiar with a lot of sours, so I'm not getting a whole lot outside of the sour in the beer, except for things that kind of like accentuate that sourness. Like the lemon is definitely prevalent. There is that little bit of maltiness and dryness in there as well. But the beer is super drinkable for how sour that I can like note that it is. Like it's not that it's not sour. Like it's definitely it sour. Is, yeah. But for some reason, the other flavors in the beer keep it from being like horribly or not horribly, but just like overwhelming, like a sour beer. They're not to wincing be. at it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so for that, I'm going to give it an eight. Do you, I mean, it's, 
the bottle is awesome. <laughs> the beer is great. Um, pretty high on the chug meter for being a sour beer. That's, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. You know, not terribly high, but for a sour, well, higher than normal, <laughs> right? Six or seven, right? Okay. So I'm going to give it an eight overall. Cool. Good. Yeah. I'm going to agree with Hunter's score and do a 7.5. The way that I feel about this beer is that it is a concept that is pretty simple but extremely well executed, right? Like it's not this super complex uh, sour beer, which is kind of what you can find at like a Jester King, right? Like a Jester King and their farmhouses, like that's that's what they do. They make these real, like flavors you've never had before, right? Mm-hmm. This is something where it's just, I feel like this is a great entry sour, you know? Like this would be a good sour for people to try. Like yep. to me, it's overtly tart in the first like the second it hits your mouth like i can feel it in my face it's so tart right but it goes away really it's a quick finish and it's really light but it's also 5.8 percent alcohol and i think that's awesome Mm -hmm. it's a beer that i find myself drinking very fast though i can't exactly chug it like it's not really high on the chugging meter for me because it is so tart like it really does it slows me down um, but it does have great flavors. Like it's the, the, the whole citrus palette that it's working with is awesome. It's electric. Like everything about it's just like bright and just energetic. And it just, you can feel it in your fucking face, man. And so <laughs> I, I like this beer a lot. I think it's a great entry sour and it's, um, it, it does the genre well. So yeah, I'll do 7.5. Hmm. Coolio Iglesias. Great scores. I can't remember the last time where I had the highest score on a beer. That's cool. Yeah. New Neato. Frontier. Even yeah. on the adjusted scale. On the adjusted scale, which I constantly forget about. It would have about. been like a 12 on the original mass Yeah, that scale. would have been a perfect 10. <laughs> Not really, but still. Uh, thank you, boys, for meeting up today. Good beer, good company. Uh, if you're looking to maybe find some more witty banter-ish. Fart stories. Yeah, more fart stories. Just ask more <laughs> questions about farts. Yeah. That's we got cool. him. We can get that. We can keep that going. Second best fart story. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, I got them down to like seven or eight. I probably got like, those ready to go. Uh, well, there's a crown jewel in your department that I don't think will ever put, be put on air, but it sits with me. Oh, I mean, I absolutely Not going to enter into the ranked yeah, matches of the fart stories? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but if you want to find any more episodes from Witty Banter, you can always go to wittybantershow.com. You can follow us at Witty Banter Show. If you like Chase's farts more than mine, you can follow him specifically at Bodacious Farts. You know, at Bodacious Chase. You can follow me at Probably Max. Um, other than that, guys. And go to go to okbeast.com and read my uh, articles. Oh, There's yes. more that have been posted, and they've been getting a lot meatier because it's further in the series now. And go check them out. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, okbeast.com. Ch- casualinterference.com. Releasing the AP. Go check it out. Um, I don't have anything to pitch, but <laughs> go to their places because I support you both. Yay. Yeah. As always, guys. It was a pleasure. Take it easy. Let's go ahead and beat up, boop out of here. Pero pepo.